You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We have been in our series, uh, The Invisible War, that there is a battle in the unseen world, a spiritual war. Our theme passages in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle or our battle is not against flesh and blood in this life, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is about an unseen, invisible battle that is going on right now in our life and for our lives. From the opening pages of Scripture to the very last chapter, this spiritual battle is real and has a real enemy, and his assignment is to destroy the things that God loves, primarily his people. This year, for many of you, has been a tremendous year of trial. Many of you looking back and can think about, man, there, this was a year of, of pain. There was a lot of heartache in my life and maybe some great moments that you remember, but maybe you, you think about a losing someone you love or losing a job or a, a diagnosis and you're just, it's been great, but for many of you it's been a trial. That's because there is a real enemy, but, but thank God there's a real God who, who is victorious and he is alive. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. We talked about that last week. So that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. I mean, keep, just keep standing. If you're a follower of Christ, we have this confidence that no matter what happens in our life, we've already won. I think of this, this picture uh, of, of a story that I, that I heard recently about Napoleon and a Near the end of Napoleon's life, this, the story goes, he looks at a map of the world, and he's angry, and he looks at the map, and he goes, if it wasn't for that red dot, I would have ruled the world. The world would have been mine. Of course, he's talking about the British Empire. It's the only region that uh, he was unable to conquer, and I think that Satan is a lot like Napoleon, Satan looks at the cross and he goes, man, if it wasn't for that, that red dot, if it wasn't for that one red dot, man, I would have ruled the world. This world could have been mine. You would be mine. But if we know who we are in Christ, we are in the red zone. We are in Christ. We are on the dot. The enemy cannot have us. We have already won. Paul, last week, we unpacked the armor of God and that these are the tools and the spiritual gifts that God has given us to combat the enemy in our life. And that we're to walk in Jesus' truth, righteousness, readiness, peace, faith, salvation, and in his word. And finally, in prayer. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer and requests. Request With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He says, also pray for me. Let me ask you something. Do you pray for me? Or do you just pray for your needs and your family and your environment? Do you pray for Sam and Stephanie? Do you pray for our other leaders, our, our worship team? Do you pray for our staff? Do you pray for my wife? He says, pray for me also, I need your prayers. He says, when I speak, pray that when I speak, God will give me the words that I can tell the secret truth about God's a good news without fear. I have the work of speaking that good news, and that is what I'm doing now while in prison. He was in prison when he wrote this letter. Pray that when I tell the good news, I will speak without fear as I should. One of the greatest gifts and the most neglected privilege is prayer. 
thousands of books, thousands of devotions, and probably hundreds of thousands of Bible studies and sermons have been given about it. And we've turned prayer into formulas, into forms, and into methods, and into some sort of checklist or, or this ABCD design. Few things stir sleep or guilt like prayer. I mean, think about it. If I start talking about, like, we're going to talk about prayer today. Oh, boy. And then we're going to talk about paint drying. And then we're going to watch videos of grass growing. And you're like, come on, prayer. Just, I know. And you see, we know we're supposed to do it. That's why we feel so guilty. So we feel it stirs up sleep and guilt at the same time. You know why? Because you don't understand prayer. You don't understand the dynamics, the power, the force behind our prayers. We're called to, encouraged to, charged to, and commanded to pray. It's probably the greatest and most important opportunity that we have been given in this life, even second to God's word. Yet it's possibly the number one most neglected spiritual tool. It has the power to break us, the power to heal us, but yet we often use it as a last resort. Listen. We have to get this. Our spiritual life depends on it. Our family depends on it. Our world depends on it. Our church depends on it. So let's talk first about some boot camp basics, prayer. Boot camp basics, all right? I'm going to lay a foundation, and then we're going to look at what effective prayers are like, okay? So boot camp basics on prayer, number one, write this down. Prayer is a family privilege. Prayer is a family privilege. You know, our theme verse here at Living Way is John 14, 6. Jesus said, I've come. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And he says, um, no one, everybody say no one, no one can come to the Father except through me. It doesn't matter if you're from America or you're from the Middle East or if you're from Asia or if you're from Antarctica or the, the south, southern part of South America. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus. Now listen to this for a second. He doesn't say no one can come to God except through me. He says no one can come through the Father because our relationship with God is a family issue. When we come to God through Jesus, he transforms from just a deity to a father, to a family relationship. And prayer is a privilege of the family. In Luke 11, verse 2, Jesus says, you should pray like this. And he, and he says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right off the top, he says, you want to pray? It's about a relationship. How do we get to that place where we can call him Father? John 1.12 says this. It says, to all who receive him, Jesus, who believe in his name, Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God. Through Jesus, we become his children. And then Paul says in Galatians that through that relationship with Christ, we are given a spirit that allows us, he says this in Galatians 4.6, because you are his sons, And because you are his daughters, God sent his spirit into our hearts. And through that, we call out Abba, 
Father. See, it's through that relationship with Christ that we become his children. And through that child-father relationship, we're able to say, Father, God. God responds to relationship. He doesn't respond to ritual or rites or routines. See, in Christ, we can pray with confidence as a child, just like we have children that come to our, in our life. My kids have access to me that you'll never have. You know, the kids in our neighborhood, we might be like a dad, but unless we legally adopt our friend, you know, my kids' friends, I'm just going to be a father figure. I will not be their father. There's not a legal position or a right of passage of ownership between the two of us. It's just a title. But when you become a child of God through Jesus Christ, there is a legal position between you and God. A family privilege is given. Paul says this in Ephesians 3.12. He says, in him, in, in Jesus Christ, through faith in him, listen, through Christ we may approach God with confidence and freedom. Man, because of Jesus, because of what that position has put me in a, a place of family with him, I can boldly, confidently come before him and know that he hears my prayer. If you want to know that God hears your prayer, you need to know that it is a privilege about family. And you need to be in the family. Let me put it this way. Police don't have the power to stop a car. You can put a police in front of a car, and it'll just run right over them. But police have the authority to stop a car. They can get in the middle of a highway. They can get in the middle of a busy intersection, put their hands up, and though they don't have the power to stop a car, they have the authority to stop every vehicle on the road. They stand in front of a car and tell it to stop because they have been delegated and given authority based on a position that they have, a mission that they have been given, and a relationship with the city that they have developed. Listen, most people are looking for power, but what they really need is authority. Some people, they come looking to God for power, and they think prayer is some kind of power tool to kind of get things or to do things or to release things. Listen, you don't need power. You need authority. And that authority is based on a relationship. It's based on a position in Christ, a mission that we have been given and a relationship with God through Jesus alone. And you have authority in your prayer life because you have the power of God behind you in that relationship. God has given you his power and his authority to conquer the enemy, but there is only one way to get it, and it's not a formula, it's not a pattern, it's not an outline, and it's not a skill that you can develop. There's only one way to access it, and it is Jesus Christ because prayer is a family privilege. Second thing I want you to know about boot camp basics, prayer isn't just something we do, it's someone we're with. See, when I have date night with my wife, I'm not doing a date. I'm with my wife, right? When I hang out with my family, I'm not doing stuff with people. I'm with. It's a relationship. If you're feeling like you got to do stuff with your family, you need to check your heart, man. <laughs> If you feel like you you got to do stuff with your wife or your husband, you need to check your heart. 
because there is a relationship of love that like gives me access to be able to hang out with my family. I'm not just doing something when I pray. I'm with someone when I pray. See, prayer in its most basic definition is a conversation. It's talking to God. That's it. It's not meditation. It's not reflection. Prayer is not thinking about God. It can be audible. It can be silent. It can be private. It can be public. It can be formal. It can be informal. Prayer is simply communication with G-O-D, with God. There's nothing deeper than that. Some people are like, I want, man, there's like books on prayer. They stack. You can feel libraries filled with books on what prayer is. It's easy. It's talking to God. And we have access to that ability through our family position in Christ. Once we are in Christ, we can talk to God whenever we want. That's a privilege of being family. But we need to realize when we pray, it's not so much what we're doing, it's who we get to hang out with, it's who we get to be with. I think about a guy who is praying in church. He gets up, a young man, he starts to pray, and he's using just poor English, right? And he's saying the wrong words, and he's, he's mixing words backwards, and he's, he's saying too many words, and he's using, you know, just improper speech and language. And a woman comes up to him afterwards and says, listen, you need to learn how to talk. You need to learn how to pray. If you're going to be in front of people, you need to know what you're doing. And he looks at her and he says, excuse me, I wasn't talking to you. See, a lot of times we turn prayer into some kind of performance, some, like, I don't want to pray because I'm not good at prayer. Well, God loves that kind of prayer because it's going to be the most humble, broken, pure, innocent prayer. See, you need to be careful for the people that, quote, know how to pray. Because they have the formulas and the skill that puts them in the place of the flesh rather than humility and brokenness, which what God really desires. So maybe you're not great at praying. Well, good news, because prayer is just a talk with God. And we can all do that in Christ for sure. Prayer is not a posture or a point in time. It is a place. Psalm 73, 28 says this, but it is good for me to draw near to God. And it's time to get there. It's time to move into that presence. It's time to move into that place where you know and experience and can sense God. He says, I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all of your works. It's a place with a person. And in that place we speak, we appeal, we cry out. And we submit. But it all begins with being in his presence at a place. It says this in James 4, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now some of you are like, well, how do I get to that place? Is that a living way church? Is that a, some kind of prayer meeting? Is it, you know, is it a location that I have to go to and get to? Listen, if you are in Christ and you are a follower of Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has been given to you. That's God's Spirit in you. And guess where the place where God is? Where it's wherever you are. If you are a follower of Christ, how do you get to that place? It's acknowledging and finding the presence of God where you are. That means you could be at school and the presence of God is there to hear your prayer. You could be in the middle of work. You could be in the middle of traffic. You could be in that shower. You could be, you know, on that way to the hospital. You could be in a hospital room or next to a, a tombstone in a, in a cemetery. No matter where you are, if the Christ who, who gave his life, the one and only, 
lives in you and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he is right where you are. That's the place where he is. Some of you, you give great prayers to a puny God. You have a miniature micro God. You don't know who you're talking to. Some would rather talk to people than to God. Some of you, you spend hours talking to a person and minutes to God. That's because you don't understand who you get to hang out with and who you get to be with. Because prayer is someone you're with. Here's the next thing I want you to write down is that prayer in the Bible emphasizes our prayers, not just my prayers. This is important because we often think that, you know, I just need to get my quiet time in. I need to get my, I need to get alone with God. And there's a lot of prayer in the Bible that is solitary, that is pressing in and getting alone. Jesus modeled this several times. But prayer, most often emphasized in the Bible, is a corporate group event. The majority of the prayers, not all of them, but the majority of the prayers in the Bible are focused on what we pray together in unity. We live in a culture of hyper-individualism. But in the culture that they lived in, think about this, they lived life together, they ate together, they worshiped together, and they prayed together. And God's plan for us is not only that we pray for each other, but that we pray with one another. How can we all be prayed for? Listen, I can't pray for every single person in this room. I don't have the time or the ability to be able to do that. But you can pray for the person next to you. And we can make sure that every person in this room is prayed for. There is no reason why we can't pray together. In your small group, you can pray for everyone. In your ministry team, in your life team, in the men's group, in the women's group, in your friendships, over and over, a prayer we often forget is collective prayer. Think about this. The very first word out of the Lord's Prayer is our. Our Father who art in heaven. And then he goes in to say, give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation. We pray as part of a family agreeing together. The power of collective prayer. Here's the next thing I want you to know. This is the last thing, and then we're going to jump into what effective prayers look like. And that is, in prayer, our obedience is far more important than our faith. Don't expect your faith to overpower your lack of obedience. Some of you are like on a treadmill and you're just sweating, man. You're just, man, you're sweating. You're like, how am I not getting someplace? I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm praying, but it seems like I'm not going anywhere. You want to know why? This is why Proverbs 28, 9 says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. If you say no to what God has clearly said to do, your prayers in Proverbs are detestable. Men, husbands, write down Malachi 2 and 3. There's a passage in there where it says, men, you want to know why your prayers are not being answered? It's because you're not treating your wife the way I told you to treat them. That's heavy. Write that down. You expect the blessings of heaven while you live like hell. 
It's amazing. I see people all the time. They, man, I, I'm just trusting and believing God. Man, I'm believing. Man upstairs. I'm giving it to God. I'm praying. But we're not walking in obedience to him. We're not walking in what he knows is God's will right now. But we want things from God. You expect that blessing. But Isaiah 59, 1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear. Boom. We like that part. Amen to that. But look at the next verse. But your iniquities, your sin, has separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear. He chooses not to respond to disobedient kids. Some of us think that we're going to be like some child, some selfish, disobedient child, who every time they go to their parents gets what they want. If you're that kind of parent, that's unhealthy behavior. But somehow we think that we can do whatever we want, live however we want, disregard God's will for our life, and then go to prayer and expect God to give us what we want, even though we're being disobedient, rebellious brats. Some of you say, well, I'm just going to fast for this. Man, I, I'm just going to fast. I'm going to go without food for a while. I'm just going to believe and fast on this while you're living in disobedience. This is what the prophet Samuel said through the Lord. 1 Samuel 15, 22, he says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. That means an offering, to bring an offering before God. To obey is better. Our obedience is a reflection of our faith. From there, we pray with confidence. All right, so what are effective prayers? Well, Ephesians says this in 6.18. It says, And the prayer and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert always. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let's break this down. This is what effective prayers look like. Number one, it says pray in the Spirit. Effective prayers are aligned. Aligned. What's that mean? Pray in the Spirit as opposed to praying in the flesh. I'm going to pray what God wants as opposed to what my flesh wants or what I want. It means, this means that we're going to pray being led by God's will and his leading. Listen, God is not a genie in a bottle that we can rub just right and get what we want. He's not a machine that if we will put in the right combination and pull the lever, that he's going to get our prayer. If I pray like this and this, fast like this, I pull that lever, I'm going to get what I want. God's not a machine and he's not a genie. He says, pray in the spirit. Pray in alignment with God's spirit, with God's will. Listen, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. This is prayer. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How many of you are praying his will? You, are you getting yourself in alignment? Are you being led by the Spirit or being led by the flesh? Prayer is not God conforming to our will. It's us conforming to God's will. It's less about getting and more about aligning. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for requests. He asks us to bring them. We're going to talk about that in a second. But they're preceded by a surrender and alignment to his will. Listen, even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this, it says, um, Thy kingdom come, your will be done before you get to 
give us this day our daily bread. See, asking for requests, give us this day, is followed by a surrender of alignment to his will. Here's the next thing. It says, with all kinds of prayers and requests, we're to pray for all the Lord's people. Prayers that are effective are comprehensive. He talks about several prayers here. There are different kinds of prayers in the Bible. Throughout Scripture, we have different types of prayers. Now, some of you, you're praying different types of prayer, and you don't even know that there are different types of prayer that you're praying. 1 Timothy 2.1 says this, First of all, then, I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. These are four Greek words for prayer, all used in the same verse. Look at this next slide. Now, I want you to maybe take a picture of this. We're just going to fly through these. These are examples of different types of prayer in the Bible. And it's important that we kind of grow in understanding a little bit more about these so that we can pray a little bit more balanced in different ways in our life. Learning how to pray is something that develops the more you pray. It's like, you know, I love it when my little kids were first learning to talk. Man, I didn't say, talk right, you know, that's ridiculous, you know, don't talk like that. No, I just think it's cute, right? Just talk some more, get some microphones out. Man, Summer's voice was like a cartoon character, and I loved it. I just wanted her to talk, and she barely made sense. Half her words were back to, uh, backwards, and she would say aminal for, for the longest time. That's the word animal. And she would say aminal and all kinds of things wrong. I'm like, don't ever change, right? Don't ever change. But... I tell you, a depth of relationship developed as she began to learn how to speak better to me. And our relationship developed as she learned how to talk. So as we learn how to pray, God loves our humble, innocent, broken prayers. But as we learn to pray, our intimacy with him grows and develops. So these are some of those ways. There's the prayer of praise. Do you know? Because prayer is talking to God. When we are worshiping God, when the band's up here and they're singing and we're singing, you know what you're doing? You're praying. It's praise. It's declaration. You're talking to God about how great he is, how awesome he is, how good he is. It's a declaration of faith, of his word, and, 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 and what he says he's going to do. And some of you, you need to learn how to praise. You need to learn how to open your mouth. And you need to learn that aspect of prayer that says, Jesus, I love you. You're awesome. You're great. Move in my heart and my life. God, you are able to do all things. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. And we're just praising his name. That's prayer. That's a powerful part of prayer. It's a declaration of his goodness. And then there's the prayer of submission. The prayer of submission is consecration and confession. That's a prayer that says, God, not my will, but your be done. Yours. God, I'm wrong. You were right. God, forgive me of my sin. God, I'm confessing. God, I'm asking for you to take my life and that you would do something with it. This is the prayer of submission. Powerful, powerful prayer. Then there's the prayers of petition. These are the requests, also known as supplication. This is when you lift up your needs. God, this is what's going on in my life. God, this is what's going on in my family. God, this is what's going on in my finances. God, this is what's going on at school. God, this is what's going on at work where I'm at. God, I need you. We are to lift up these requests. That's, these are Some of you, that's the only prayer you know. That's why you need to be balanced in learning how to pray, which we're going to talk about next week. And then he says, and then there's prayers of intercession. These are the prayers that we pray for others. 
You pray for that uncle. You pray for that your mom. You pray for your kid. You pray for that neighbor, that coworker who's hurting, that neighbor who's lonely, that family member who doesn't know Jesus. When you begin to pray for them, you're interceding for them. That's a type of powerful prayer for others. Then there's the prayers of spiritual attack. And this is kind of where we've been the last couple of weeks. And this is where the armor of God comes in. And these are dealing specifically with spiritual attack. And you respond to the enemy. You, you stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. And you declare God's faith and his words in your life. And you put on that armor. And that's prayer, spiritual attack, spiritual armor. And then there's the prayer of agreement. And this is corporate prayer. This is a lot of the prayers uh, the majority of the types of prayers in the Bible are corporate prayers where we together agree. The Bible says if two more agree upon one thing, if two or more are gathered together, I'm there in their midst. You can have this confidence in knowing that when we agree together, man, there's something special. Man, we are to pray for each other and pray for one another. That's the power of prayer of agreement. And then I like this one. It's the prayer of faith. These are what I would call spirit-empowered moments. So there's moments when you're praying and different moments when I believe the Spirit of God will come on somebody and you have this great sense of faith at that moment that what you're praying is going to happen. And it's a supernatural prayer. The Bible talks about it in several places. Sometimes we pray and there's this moving that God is going to use you at that moment to be a vessel of his might in their life. And we can pray. These are miraculous prayers. And this prayer of faith is as God determines, not as we determine. It says God wills. And then there's the prayer of thanksgiving. And this is probably the, the most powerful of all these prayers. And we're going to end our time today with this. And then there's the prayer of communion. And that's this attitude that all day long, I'm going to pray. You know, on my way to work, I'm going to be in this communion with God. When I get to work, when I'm at a friend's, you know, if I'm at a meeting. I'm, I'm, sometimes I meet with some of you, and, and I'm praying while we're meeting. I'm praying... Uh, for the people around us while we're meeting. And when I go to lunch, I'm praying for the people in that room. And when I'm in my car, uh, when sometimes you come to my mind and, and I'm praying for you, this is communion with God. As we are walking with God, because he is with me wherever I go, I have access to the Father through this relationship that I have as a child of God, and that's communion. All these prayers require the same thing. You must be praying the word of God. You must know the word, and you must pray in an alignment with the word. Here's the next one, Ephesians 6, 18. It says, with this in mind, with all these kinds of prayers in mind, be alert. That means effective prayers are proactive. For some of you, prayer is like the national anthem. You stand for it, might even put your heart into it a little bit, get a little emotional. It starts the game off, it starts it off, but it has little to do with what happens on the field. Some of you, you start your day off with prayer. You start a meal off with prayer, but it has little to no bearing on what happens in your day. It's time to move past the ceremony of prayer and the anthem of prayer, the, 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 the ritual of prayer, and be proactive in how it's going to affect your daily life on the field. I don't know why, but there are some things that our sovereign God has decided he will not do without prayer. I don't know why, but he does. Your prayers matter. I don't understand why God would choose to do his will and accomplish his purposes through our 
prayers as his plan, but he does. I think about when my when I, I go someplace and we have a, we have like a ton of Easter candy, uh, not Easter candy, Halloween candy. Boy, I like Easter candy. That's my favorite candy. I do. But anyhow, Halloween candy will do too. I like candy. So uh, we have all this candy, right? And kids might come over and they're like, you know, we, they want a piece of candy. And, and, and what, what do parents usually say? What do you need to, what do you say? Please. They have to ask. Now, I would probably give them a piece of candy without asking. You know, and maybe as a parent, you, you know, you're teaching your kid how to ask, and they, they, they get shy. Maybe they don't want to say it because they're little, but you want them to still ask. Why is it that we want them to ask? Why does God want us to ask when it's something that he might already give us? Because, listen, only in asking are we showing our dependence. When we ask, we're saying, God, I am acknowledging what I'm about to receive is from you. And I'm asking you in respect and honor of who it came from. And I'm I'm acknowledging my dependence on this item from you. God wants us to ask for things because it declares our dependency on who it comes from. It's time to be proactive in your prayers. Here's the next one. Ephesians 6.18 goes on and says, And keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayers that are effective are persistent. This is a big one. Because a lot of times we treat prayer like a one and done. Oh, I've already prayed for that. You know, I prayed for, for this. I prayed for that. I prayed, you know, I'm trying to raise money for wine. I've already prayed about it. <laughs> like, that prayer never stops, does it? <laughs> So he goes, man, I'm praying for this healing, or I'm, I'm praying for my marriage. And I prayed once, I came to the altar, man, I prayed, I lifted it up at a Bible study, and it's one and done, right? I don't, I don't need to be some kind of annoying little bratty kid that keeps asking his parents over and over again. This is not why God wants us to be persistent. He doesn't see us as annoying bratty kids who he finally gives in to. See, he asks us to be persistent for our sake. Think about this. When it comes to prayer, an instant prayer is a rare answer because persistence compels us to the true center of our prayer, which is not something that we're asking for, but for someone who we're getting from. Persistence deepens our reliance on God and compels the heart to examine what it really wants most. And the more we pray for something, the more we ask for something, God is working in us patience. He's working in us this this challenge to wait, and he's building in us this trust we have. So God says, I'm not going to give it to you right away. I want you to be persistent so that you can wait on me, so that you can learn to trust me. And I want you to be persistent because it builds faith and reliance upon me. Patience, uh, persistence often purges our desires. God uses persistence in prayer to mold and even transform our desires. So how long should you pray for something? When should you stop praying for something? Well, here's three tips, not in your notes. You can write them down if you want. Keep praying until, number one, you get what you ask for. Keep praying, number two, until God changes your mind. And number three, keep praying until God clearly says no. Be persistent. The word here is tenacity. Be tenacious. He wants us 
to learn to trust him and to keep relying upon him. Persistence. So it goes on to say, keep on praying. And then the next part he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. And I'm going to end with this thought right here. All occasions. We're to pray when things are bad. We're to pray when, when the news comes back and it's terrible. We're to pray on, on those days that are, that are, that are difficult, when the, when the bills uh, pile up and the, the collection agencies start sending their notice. We're to pray when, when, when we're not feeling like praying, when I'm feeling depressed, when I'm feeling angry. We're to pray in all these moments. How do we do that? Because effective prayers are prayers that are grateful, that are grateful. See, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the most talked about prayer out of all of those prayers, there are hundreds of verses on the prayer of gratitude and thankfulness. You will never be free in this life until you understand gratitude and thankfulness. Everything hinges on this you know what we tend to do our whole life? We tend to focus on what we don't have. We tend to focus on what is not happening. But let me tell you something. When you pray, I cannot stress how important this is. This is the prayer that will set you free. It will set you free. Listen, gratitude unlocks humility and pulverizes pride. Gratitude breaks the chains of addiction and depression. It turns someone who's always feeling like a victim into someone who knows that they are victorious in Christ. It sets the depression free. It sets the addict free. You want to be free from your addiction? Gratitude, being thankful for what you have and what you've been given will set you free from the bondage of addiction and depression. Gratitude heals a broken heart. It releases hope. You know, I've sat in a room with parents who have lost their children. I've even been in hospital rooms where there's a child that never left the hospital. And the parents are heartbroken, they're crushed, and they're angry. But you know what heals them? And I ask them, would you rather not have this child? Or would you rather have this child for only two weeks? Every time, I'm just so thankful for those two weeks. I'm so thankful for what I have been given. You see, instead of focusing on what we were not given, we find freedom when we celebrate what we have been given. Some of you lost someone that you love, maybe early in life. Instead of being angry that you didn't get those years that were left out, be thankful for the years that you have been blessed with. Instead of being angry about the things that you don't get, celebrate the things that God has provided because gratitude results in this peace and his work in your life. Gratitude draws us closer to us. Listen, there's nothing more repelling to God than ungratefulness. But yet we live a life of discontentment and anger towards God with what we don't have. Gratitude shows the depth of our relationship with someone. And it also shows the reflection of our spiritual maturity. Let me put it this way. All those prayers that we showed on the screen, if I could put them all in a box and then take that box and wrap the box in gift wrapping paper and a bow and bring it to God, the box itself is gratitude. 
Everything that we bring to God is wrapped in the precious gift of thankfulness and gratitude. It all begins there. Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Man, we enter his courts with thank you, God. Praise his God, you're so good to me. God, thank you, you're so good. We enter his presence with thankfulness, with gratitude, with praise. Thank you, God, you're good. I tell you, every time I pray, pretty much every time I pray, just by default, what comes out of my mouth first is, I thank you and I love you. Every time I've developed this habit of being sure that I am thankful before I even think about talking to him. I enter his presence with thanksgiving. I enter his very courtroom. I I enter the place where he dwells in my life with Gratitude. I want to set the record straight, however. Gratitude is not about comparing. Some of you, gratitude is like, well, at least I'm not that guy. Right? I may not have any groceries in my fridge today, but at least I'm not living on the street as a homeless man. You know? Like, well, I'm, hey, I may not have a job, but at least I'm not like, you know, low unemployment, I mean, high unemployment in Haiti. You know, think, well, I, I may not like everything that's going on in our country, but, but at least I'm not, it's not like it is in China. See, that is a terrible way to be grateful. Gratitude is not comparison. Because if that were the case, what happens to the very worst person, right? They're in China. Well, at least, thank you, God. I'm sorry for the, this government that, that, that controls us in China. At least I'm not the guys in Iran. You know, and then Iran, God, thank you, us small group of Christians. At least we're not those in the Congo. And then they're praying in the Congo. And, and, and you got to, God, thank you, but we're being persecuted. But at least we're not like the guys in Sudan. And then what happens at the end of the road? What's that guy get to be thankful for? <laughs> God, just take me now, right? Just kill me, right? Gratitude is not comparison. That's a trick of the enemy because we're not to compare our life to anybody. Gratitude has three simple parts to it. This one I want to end with. As we are celebrating Thanksgiving, right, this Thursday, Thanksgiving. Number one, I want you to write this down. Grave, uh, gratitude, thankfulness is being thankful for what God has done. Gratitude is about not forgetting what you have been given. Man, first of all, if you're a child of God, I thank you, Jesus, that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I thank you, Jesus, that I was, that I was a wretch. And, God, I still feel like a wretch sometimes, but thank you, Jesus, that the blood of Christ is able to wash me clean, and I am forgiven as a child and son of God. God, I thank you, Lord, that where I am now is not where I used to be. God, I thank you, Lord, that, that instead of focusing on my past of what I've been given with my dad or with a family member or some abuse or some assault, I get to celebrate, God, that you brought me out of that. God, thank you for what you've done. Man, you brought me out of that house. You brought me out of that relationship. You brought me out of those, uh, that circle of friends. God, thank you. God, I'm in a new place because of what you have done. I am thankful, God. See, we could focus on being the victim our whole life. But when we are thankful for what God has done, 
It changes us. If there's anything good in my life, it's from God. That's gratitude. God, if there's anything at all that I smile about, it's because of you. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. It's from God. If there's anything that makes you laugh, if there's anything that brings you like real pleasure, if there's anything that God loves you with and gives you joy in, it's from him. It's his gift. Man, I'm thankful, God, that I have a water heater. Amen. I'm thankful that I woke up in a bed with sheets today. I'm thankful that after service today, I get to go get something to eat. I'm thankful that I have more than one set of clothes to pick from in my closet. I'm thankful, Lord, that I have some abilities, and even though some of them may change as I get older, I thank you, Lord, that you're always going to equip me for your work that you have for me. Maybe you've slipped into thinking that you did that and that you deserve this and that you worked for that. Listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, you'd be broke. You'd be destitute and you'd be alone. Thank God for what he's done. Gratitude is also this. It's thanking God for what he is doing. Some of you say, man, I don't see a whole lot of of change happening in my marriage. God, (laughs) it may be slow going, but it's going, right? God, I don't see a big change in my finances. It may be, I may be crawling out of debt, but I'm crawling. God, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not seeing this breakthrough in my kid's life, but God, I'm seeing glimpses of a hope. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I acknowledge it and I embrace it in my marriage at school. That healing, it may be coming slow, but it's coming. I see it and I embrace it. Being thankful is choosing to keep your eyes off yourself, off your problems, off your issues, off your worries, and look at what what God is doing now in those issues, worries, and problems. What is God doing in your life now? Be thankful for that. Sometimes we're like, man, that's where I want to be. God, why aren't I there? God says, well, celebrate where you are now. Celebrate where you are. But I can't get my eyes off where I want to be. Celebrate where you are. Be thankful. It will lead you to the next one, which is gratitude. Well, first of all, some of you are praying for something you want breakthrough. First Thessalonians says this, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Despite your circumstance, be thankful for what God is doing. Here's the next one. Gratefulness is this. It's about being thankful for what is to come. It's celebrating your present salvation and your future hope. Some of you guys have heard me share this. My, my mother died, uh, I think, relatively young. She was 62, and it was a surprise to many of us. Uh, she had polio as a child, so as she got older, she suffered from chronic pain. Many of you guys know just the the, the terrible frustration of chronic pain, and she was always in pain. She had neurological problems. She had post-polio issues, and her body was breaking down. Her muscles were breaking down, and she never complained about it, never wanted to talk about it, and I could always see her struggling. I could hear her walking the house in the middle of the night because she just had all these cramps and pains, and the only way to do it was like to get up at 3 in the morning and pace the floor, but you know what she would always say? She wouldn't say, why, God, why? She would say, this too soon shall 
pass. She used to say that all the time. This too soon shall pass. Things are falling apart financially. She was a single mom, struggled financially because of her health. She struggled to get good jobs. And so she was always in a financially tight place. And she would say, well, this too soon shall pass. She knew that whatever was going on in her life, whatever trial, whatever pain, whatever suffering, whatever shortfall was nothing compared to what was coming. And she would always look to the future. God, thank you, Lord, that I don't have to be sick all the time. Thank you, Lord, that I won't be poor all the time. God, thank you, Lord, that I won't be struggling all the time. Thank you, God, that I won't be sick all the time. This too soon shall pass. I have a future hope. God, thank you. Gratitude is being thankful for what is to come. I'm thankful that God calls me his own. And that I have a home far beyond this life. And I will see it one day. And I may be sick, but this will pass away. But only one thing will remain in this life. And that is God's promises. So, how can you pray on all occasions? Even when life hits you right in the face. This is what Paul says. We're going to pray with this. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now what he says you get in return is not a guarantee of answered prayer. He doesn't say pray and you're going to get what you ask for. He says what you're going to get is even better. He says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. In Christ Jesus, look what you get in return. Not a guaranteed answered prayer, but a peace that transcends your circumstance. When we can learn to pray, to be grateful, to bring our petitions, our requests, to rely upon God for our dependence, what we get in return in our heart is something that is unexplainable. Something that will be hard for others to imagine how you can stay so peaceful in the midst of your storm. It's easy. I've let it go. I'm thankful for what I have, and I trust that God has got it in his plan and in his time. And I get in return peace that doesn't make any sense. You may be struggling with hearing God right now. Start here. Gratitude. This week is Thanksgiving, and I know it's like, like, a pilgrim holiday, and there's all kinds of controversy over what it means and where it came from. But I just love the word. It's a time of thanks. And if we can learn to live thankful, you'll be free. Some of you can't get over that relationship that you just got out of. You need to learn gratitude. Some of you, you're struggling with accepting where God has put you at your workplace. You need to embrace thankfulness. Some of you, you're angry at God because you lost someone that you loved. You need to understand what it means to be thankful for the life that God gave you in that season. Whatever situation you're in, whatever health situation, whatever financial situation, thankful, gratitude. It will free your soul through Christ. So there's not room on your worship guide. I actually ran out of room. There was supposed to be space on the year for you to write eight things that you're thankful for. I have an assignment for you. I want you to pull out your phone sometime today. Once you get rolling, I'll tell you, if you start doing this, you'll run out of, like, paper space. And you'll just keep, man, I'm thankful for that and that and that. And that. All of a sudden, you're, like, so thankful. 
And every time you start getting negative and you start getting angry and frustrated, you pull out that list. Maybe you make another list or you read that list and say, God, forgive me for being ungrateful. This snotty little brat of yours, Jesus, but you're a good dad, so you're very forgiving. Forgive me. Help me to be thankful and free my heart. Let's pray. God, you have given us so much, and I'm so thankful. God, I'm thankful, Lord, that, that in this room we have those that have, have uh, been set free from the power of, of addiction and sin. God, I thank you, Lord, that, that you're still moving in our hearts and our life. And, God, that, that we have been able to be here today. God, I'm thankful that, that somehow, some way, we got dressed today and that we were able to get a ride here today. God, I'm so thankful that I'm not alone. God, I'm thankful that I have family and that I have a wife. God, I'm thankful that I have kids. God, I'm thankful. Lord, I'm just so overwhelmed with gratitude, Lord, in my life. It humbles me and breaks me for just a moment. Right where you're sitting, I want you to say, thank you, Jesus. Just say it out loud. Say, thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to take a moment and I want you to be thankful for whatever comes into your mind. And just begin to tell him, thank you. God, thank you for whatever it is that God puts in your heart to be thankful for. You start saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Go ahead. Jesus, God, thank you so much. so thankful, Lord, that I was, I was a sinner, God, selfish, bound by insecurity and fear. But God, you met me in my place of pain. And God, you set me free. You gave me hope and you gave me a new future, God. And I thank you, Father, that you're a father to the fatherless. And you're a good dad, a perfect parent, God. And I thank you, Father, that you're the healer of the past. And you're the giver of hope for the future. God, I thank you, Lord, so much, Lord. God, I'm so overwhelmed, Father. I didn't even know how to, how to stop saying thank you, God. I'm humbled. God, I pray that you teach us to be a thankful people, a grateful people. God, I thank you, Lord, that, that through that privilege of family, we have access to you. If there's anyone here right now and you're not family, if you're not a child of God, you can have access to him right now through Jesus. If you're here right now and you'd like to say, I want to be part of his kids' family. I want to be part of his household. Just right where you are. Talk to God and say, I come to you through Jesus, God. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for the cross. Wash me clean. I give you my life, Jesus. Father, thank you for loving me. Filling me with your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.